my thought was what happens if like you have a robot girlfriend and she becomes self-aware and she doesn't want to cook for you anymore and she doesn't want to like clean and uh-huh. she doesn't want to be she wants to travel and like i just thought that would be like a funny like non-violent like she's it's just a love song from yeah. an ai Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Ear Fuel Podcast. As always, I'm Joel Freemark, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at the Daily Guru and at Get Ear Fuel. The podcast is always available in the iTunes and Google Play stores, along with wherever it is you listen to podcasts under Ear Fuel and at GetEarFuel.com. My guest today is Danielle Johnson, who creates music under the name Computer Magic. You heard a clip of our conversation at the top, and throughout that conversation, we dug deep into her world of sci-fi, electro synthy awesomeness. I really like what she does. I discussed her new record, Dan's, spelled D-A-N-Z, on the last episode, and I really just have to say again how much I dig that record. Every single song is so good. It's got great atmosphere, a ton of movement, and there's really something for everyone who really enjoys music to enjoy about this record. There's great atmospheres, cool lyrics, awesome synth lines. It's just, it's one of those records that's hard to pigeonhole into any specific genre, but it's definitely in the genre of good music. Really, I don't come across many records I enjoy instantly as much as I enjoyed this one. So uh, yeah, go spend some time with it. Not only has she been making all of this music for the better part of a decade, but she also owns and operates her own record label, Channel 9 Records. We touched on the advantages and disadvantages of running your own label, why she did it. The conversation was really about almost the independent spirit, making and creating exactly how you want, which for my money is usually the place where you get the best results. Now, this conversation we had kind of started off about her mutual love for Japan because she has a massive following there and is lucky enough that she gets to go play shows there. I spent about three weeks in Japan back in 2017 and really dug everything about the country. And, you know, I did a whole podcast, I believe it was episode 42, about the way that I felt about their music scene, how much I love their record stores. They they just care so much from people on stage to the records in stores about music. And it's very different than we see in North America and Europe. It is a a very unique music scene. So if you want to know more of my thoughts on that, it's back on episode 42. One other note. While Danielle and I were talking, I made a reference to Neil Young's amazing Live at Massey Hall 1971 album. Now, before you all start tweeting at me, I just want you to know, I am well aware that Massey Hall is in Toronto. That was never in question. It'll make sense when you hear it. So with all that out of the way, let's get to know a bit more about computer magic. All right, now check. I can hear you. Now I can hear everybody. So yes, yeah, so it was the last EP. Yeah, last EP, I went out there for Obscure But Visible mm-hmm. and did Tokyo, Nagoya, Osaka, Kyoto. Kyoto's a cool, cool town. Kyoto's a... Actually, the last time I went out there was the first time that I actually did have a day off. Uh-huh. Um, and we got to, with the day off was in Kyoto and we got to like, uh, walk around like by all the temples Uh and, uh, I don't know what it's called, but like the, 
the district with all the geishas. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, yeah. we just go with the geisha district, yeah. right? <laughs> geisha sure. district. Yeah. But yeah, it was really neat because so much history. Yeah. The buildings are so, uh, so and so interesting too, especially being from the U.S. Like just the architecture is yeah. so much different. It's awesome. Yeah. When we were when we were in Kyoto, I, I, my wife humored me on a bit of a. Uh, thanks to the internet wild goose chase because i was like okay look I've, the internet <laughs> told me where this is so so we're gonna follow it and we went to and all it is is a building like on a back alley of a back alley that oh, has nice. a plaque that says uh the nintendo trading card company oh, no was founded way. here <laughs> and you know i took photos in it like this is this is this is nerd mecca oh that's so cool so um that was that was a fun trip and that and now every time we want to go somewhere like we could, we could go back to japan would you ever live there try and live there you know i we were we actually talked about it while we were there like it's i like the pace and yeah. and the people were just it was so wonderful and food is incredible i feel like every and everybody also is uh like so respectful yeah. I, and everybody's so nice to yeah. everybody yeah. which is a weird thing but i always notice that when a, after going to japan and then coming back i always notice um i mean one thing i noticed i was going through customs once and these uh, uh, older Japanese women hand over everything's like you give everything with two hands. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and they hand their passport to the customs officer, and the guy just like rips it out of their hands, <laughs> li- like throws it back to them. I'm like, oh my god, like I hate it here. Like people yeah. are so rude. Yeah, that was it when we were, when we were on the flight back, like two hours into the flight back to JFK, we were like, oh shit. <laughs> We're gonna land at JFK. <laughs> this is gonna suck because we're like the last three weeks have just been yeah. so just calm and and yeah and you know we were we were uh, we had a guide one day in Tokyo and it was we were like waiting at a street corner and there was no traffic yeah and we're just gonna can we just go because I mean we we live in the city and it's like yeah we could make it there and she goes oh no we we don't do that in Japan. yeah That's, yeah and I'm like okay <laughs> cool like but it, it was. It was really nice. It's like, right, this is civilization. Like, yeah. You actually care about other people. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Definitely a nice place. Yeah. And the music scene there uh, is really cool. I mean, I went to way too many record stores there. <laughs> we, we, we brought a ba- an extra bag with us just so I could go record shopping a ton. Did you buy like a lot of Jap- uh, Japan specific stuff? Like Some of it, you know, some of it I was just, you know, I mean, the, the, the condition in general of vinyl in Japan oh, it's a lot is, better. Oh, it's incredible, just because again, people people care for yeah. it, <laughs> especially like hip hop stuff and a lot of electronic stuff. You can find there. You're not going to find it anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but in, in so far as as actual kind of local Japanese music is something I just haven't gotten into enough. Yeah. Um, do you have favorites there? Uh, so I met this girl. Um, I was doing a thing for Nylon over there, and she and I. Uh, had to trade outfits for something like she had to wear my spacesuit and I like wear her outfit. But okay. It, she goes by Wednesday Campanella. Okay. Uh, which is really cool. Um, she makes really cool stuff. Uh, this other band, the Sky I Met, um, very pop, but Alexandros, they're like big there. But when I go and play shows, there will be like Japanese musicians that'll give mm-hmm. me their CD and everything, and I'll bring it home listen to it so that's a pretty cool way yeah. of discovering stuff yeah i'd like to like go into more record stores there um i think the next time i go i'm gonna ask for some time 
like after the tour sure so i can hang out yeah because i really i really haven't gotten to experience it and not have uh have to do something or like be somewhere or anything it's always super quick when i go um it'd be neat to like be able to i don't know just have a day to roam around be a bit of a tourist yeah 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 but i mean i love when i go and play shows there which is really fun but yeah the the audience is there how do you, do you see big differences in in the audiences there and how they respond how they act at the shows i see well it's funny i feel like a lot of bands notice this mm-hmm. um everybody's very quiet until the song's finished yeah and i remember my first show i played and nobody did anything <laughs> and then i was like thank you and then after i said thank sure. you everybody starts applauding and stuff uh I think if you're more have more of a active presence on stage, people tend to loosen up. But uh-huh. ba- people are very quiet uh, wa- to pay you respect. Like nobody would be on their cell phones. Like that'd be like the last thing. I wish. <laughs> I wish just that could make it back. Yeah, to the right. States. Um, but the my music is definitely more. I have more of a following there. Yeah. So the shows are bigger for me there. Mm-hmm. So it's always fun to experience that it's just a different world like i'm i play like kind of smaller venues in the u.s but over there it's like probably uh i don't know like like four or five times as bigger like Mm -hmm. the shows which is like whoa i've I've made it when i go (laughs) there i feel like you know i have the record label will take us out to dinner and we're like um signing autographs and it's just a really cool experience for me to Mm -hmm. go there yeah but that because i've thought about like oh well maybe i should live there or something but i feel like it would kind of take away from how special it is if it was where you were always sure but kind of like living in new york city yeah you know it's just yeah it's new york sure we're we're here (laughs) yeah new york city yeah, I mean, you know, back in the day, people used to be quiet at shows until the songs were over here in the States. You know, a lot of those early live recordings, you know, like uh, Neil Young's Massey Hall show comes to mind. Yeah. Everyone's listening to the the performance. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then rock and roll happened, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And I'm sure someone's going to get pissed. That <laughs> I basically just said Neil Young is on one side and rock and roll is on the other. But um, so what's your creative process like? You know, wh- where do you start with a song? So they all kind of start differently. Mm -hmm. Um, It depends on what I'm feeling inspired by. Sometimes I will go into my studio and force myself to come up with something. And then other times it's just I'm like taking a shower and walking my dog. And then I'm like, think up a melody. Uh, Or like I like sing something stupid in my head about walking the dog. And I'm Uh like, ooh, that would be a good melody. And then actually make it a real song. Um, I have so many of those like stupid voice memos. Sure, sure. But yeah, it's all kind of different and inspired. Like if I'm watching a movie or something, like the new Blade Runner, I saw Mm -hmm. that was super inspiring. But yeah, it's it's all different for each song and each record has its own uh, inspirations. Mm -hmm. So with the new record, were these all new songs? Did you have some that you had written before and you were like, oh, this kind of fits with what I'm doing here? These were all, these were song. a lot of them I wrote on tour, on tour last year. Uh-huh. Uh, I went on tour in the U.S. last year and there's just so many hours that you spend in a van. Um, <laughs> yeah. But 
I'm just I want it's hard for me to just sit sit still and like like I I never sleep in the van and uh-huh. everybody else can go to sleep so I wrote I like started the like the bones of the song in the van for some of them uh like the song Nebraska land That's exactly what I was thinking of yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you can feel the vastness on that with, with how it's orchestrated. yeah yeah but like that song I wrote when we were driving through Nebraska uh-huh. um but all the songs so that uh last year I moved uh, upstate a little bit, uh-huh. and I I still have a space in Greenpoint, so I'm down in the city uh, pretty often. But I live up there, and it's very uh, kind of felt very isolated with this record. So I feel like you could kind of hear that in mm-hmm. some of the songs. Uh, just I just had a lot of time to myself to work on stuff, which is also kind of scary because when you're trying to fit in making music it's one thing but when you have all the time to like make something you're like this month i'm gonna finish this then you sit there and like okay what do i do sometimes that's pretty hard but so some of these songs i made on tour but they're all last year all the songs so yeah just just kind of happened yeah it just happened slowly yeah so it sounds like the melody is usually one of the first things come yeah how do you then craft that meaning you know there's so many different sounds so many different instruments yeah. going on where, where does your brain go on that so say it's a melody i'll figure out well first usually it's percussion like mm-hmm. a lot of uh the most of the stuff on dan's i use a lot of samples uh like loop samples and then i would send them to uh have a drummer that plays with me live ignacio and i'd send some to him and he might come up with a, an idea or something, or I'll just be like, oh, I need a crash here. And then he'll record a crash, send it back. But so I'll get percussion down, and then like I'll move on. Do I want to do the bass next? Mm-hmm. And then, so with how musically I record with, I try to record with a lot of analog synths. Uh-huh. So I'll have to figure out the bass line and track the entire baseline first and then just kind of build until it sounds like the melody that I thought of could sit on top of it or yeah I don't know the lyrics are always usually come last for mm-hmm. me like I'll get wh- whatever the song sounds like um to me I'll try to create a story around that but yeah and, so. and you eventually at some point find a point where you, you find a point where you feel like Okay, all the layers I need are there. The yeah. sound effects are perfect. It's exactly yeah. how I want it. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes I'll go back and li- I'll listen to it in my car or something and be like, oh, I don't like that part and I'll go back. But again, Amnesia, I wrote that. It's um, like a lot of arpeggiated synth layers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bass line kind of gets distorted a little bit. Um, when I wrote that, it kind of reminded me of like going crazy a little bit, like somebody slowly going crazy. It's like, well, maybe I'm slowly going crazy, like being isolated up here. So I wrote that, like the lyrics on that song, kind of like inspired by that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and, and on um, Delirium. Oh, Delirium, yeah. Yeah, you said that uh, Delirium, uh, washing over the Western world. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of inspired by the election. Okay, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> But, yeah, just last year, I f- feel like everybody cumulatively was like, 
what the hell is going on and that was just my reaction to that i just felt like there were like i don't like i usually don't like getting that political but i just felt like last year there were a lot of people that um just with trump being elected didn't know who what they were kind of voting for yeah i mean i have relatives so out of the loop that were like yeah he's he'll fix everything i'm like are you kidding me like do you know they're just you know they watch they go on facebook and they They bought in a lot of people did yeah and it's just was really hard for me to to not write a song that kind of reflected that sure i mean i i don't think as an artist in the last 18 months you can avoid that yeah yeah totally i feel like a lot this it sucks what's happened but i feel like creatively like a lot of artists are going to come up with like some really good political songs. Yeah, I'm I'm still waiting for the new r- next rise of punk rock. I'm <laughs> yeah, waiting. Yeah, totally. I, I, I'm I'm hoping it'll show up soon. It's got to. I, I miss it. I also felt like with this record, you know, there's there's a lot of movement. Uh, it, it feels like on this record, is that because you know you've kind of moved to a new place, or just in general, do you kind of feel that through your songs? Um, uh, movement like this, the songs are yeah. different. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just wanted it to be. Uh, pretty dynamic mm-hmm. um when i wrote the record before this davos a lot of the songs were uh kind of like pop pop-esque to me and i wanted to write just something more exper- experimental for me anyway mm-hmm. where not all the so- all the songs are a little different yeah yeah i liked uh th- there were a couple moments like um Ordinary Life oh, yeah. is probably my favorite song on the oh, album. Oh, cool. I really, really like it. Maybe Clouds. <laughs> sometimes it's been Clouds, but Ordinary Life, oh, I, yeah. I really, really like it. Um, is that you kind of things you want to say? Or are you writing that as someone else? So that one was interesting to write. So I moved up upstate, lived with my boyfriend, Did a, had to do a lot of, learn a lot of things, like how to, there's no, you can't have takeout up yeah, there. So right. I'm like... I need to learn how to cook. Like I never cooked in when I lived in the city. Like I would, <laughs> nobody does. Yeah, I just grab like a like a bagel or like yeah. seamless or something like that. Um, but I don't know. I just felt like I was not. Uh, I mean, my boyfriend's great, and he didn't put this on me. But I was like cooking a lot <laughs> and like just doing the stuff I didn't want to. And I and then we were watching all all these like TED talks on like AIs. Mm-hmm and how uh like the singularity and how they're going to become you know self-aware and might happen pretty soon and that and elon musk like warning about it and everything so i was like it'd be interesting to have like an ai that it oh and what and what else did we watch um i don't know we watched something but i my thought was what happens if like you have a robot girlfriend and she becomes self-aware and doesn't want to do, she doesn't want to cook for you anymore. And she doesn't want to like clean and uh-huh. she doesn't want to be, she wants to travel. And like, I just thought that would be like a funny, like nonviolent, like she's it's just a love song from yeah. an AI. And I don't know. So it's kind of, it's part me, part like robot love song, I guess. Part human, part robot. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Part animal, part machine. I know how that one goes. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's also very much a visual element to the sounds you make. Yeah. Um, do you sometimes write from the perspective that, you know, we're going to do a video for this or there's, you know, does that sometimes influence how you're writing? Um, sometimes. Uh, like the, the video. So I made a video for Ordinary Life mm-hmm. 
and I knew I wanted to be a robot in it so okay so as I was writing I'd be like oh it'd be really cool like if I was like a maid like dressed in a maid outfit and I was like just doing doing the same stuff every day repetitively and then I just like want to break from that mm-hmm. so the video is, it's going to come out soon is that um but I think about it sometimes but normally normally videos kind of come after but mm-hmm. there's definitely like I'm inspired by watching movies uh so v- like visual stuff is an inspiration but having the video in mind doesn't always happen but mm-hmm. sometimes it does like ordinary life sure sure and you know videos just aren't they're not as big as they used to be yeah it's not like i like mtv i don't even know if they like still play i think i think in the overnights they do oh do they you know i think insomniac theater or whatever still exists yeah so then what kind of music did you listen to growing up um so i listened to a bunch of different types of music my parents never really pushed anything on Mm -hmm. me but um my mom listened to queen my dad listened to like the Grateful Dead and the Almond Brothers, and, like Neil Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got kind of that type of thing. Uh, but in high school, I listened to went through like an R and B phase. Then I started to get really into like British music, okay, like the Cribs and this band, the Kaiser Chiefs mm-hmm. and uh, Franz Ferdinand. Um, when I was in like middle school, high school. And then I would go uh, like read more about these British bands and see what they're in- who they were influenced by, mm-hmm. and um, like read about the Smiths and read about New Order and uh, yeah I don't know I mean now I just listen to er- everything yeah. like I'll listen to Bossa Nova I'll listen to like Link Ray like kind of country ish mm-hmm. type of stuff rockabilly stuff um, I love electronic music so. I'm I listen to a bunch of different stuff. <laughs> and when did you start playing? Um I started making music and playing music like 2011. Okay, so super recently. Uh yeah, I guess it's 7 years now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I d- I just instinctively think, oh yeah, it was last year. Yeah. It was like 2 years ago. It feels like wow. it. Wow. Okay. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, yeah. but um yeah, it was never growing up like mm-hmm. I always was obsessed with music. But I was never, didn't know that I could play it. And I essentially just learned how to make music by ear and would put it up online and people liked it, which was a surprise. And since then I've been doing this because now, now I can't, I don't know what else to do and I <laughs> like doing this. So I'm like, this is what I am, a musician. This is it. This is what yeah. I do. <laughs> well, along with being a musician, you have your label. Yeah, yeah. And so what what led you to want to putting that together? So I was just frustrated because I would send my completed records to labels Mm -hmm. and every I would get these responses like, oh, we really like it. And then nothing. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to put this out myself. And I had gotten placements from like commercial type of stuff. Like I had a song in like REO. not Oreo, Aria <laughs> Casino in Las Vegas, uh-huh. like just like and random TV placements. And um, with that money, I would just like kind of funnel into, OK, well, I want to press a vinyl and I want to uh, make T-shirts and, you know, just like put a b- and I or I need to hire uh, someone to help me mix a record or something. 
but with that money i was able to like have uh funnel it back into channel nine mm-hmm. i mean it's pretty much just just computer magic stuff but i'm like i what i really want to do is just make like limited di- i really like physical uh vinyls and cassettes Absolutely. so i think maybe later down the line i'd like to put out limited edition stuff for other bands that uh-huh. i like but for right now it's just basically me <laughs> and, and do you enjoy that that part of it all as well kind of the the business side of it i like it it gets super overwhelming because there's times when i want to just make music sure but i have like orders to ship out and like which i'm i always feel bad about complaining because these are like <laughs> it's a double-edged sword yeah because these like there are people that bought my record and want it and like they should get it right away yeah so i have to be on top of that and like sometimes i'll have my friend um my friend who shares the studio space with me kind of helps me out. She's like, yeah. oh, I'll pack up the sword for you, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, so sometimes it's nice to have a break from just making music. But other times it's like, ah, oh, this is so, so much that I have to do. But right, like a 10th trip to the post office with a loaded car. Yeah, yeah. I th- don't think a lot of people realize that I'm yeah. like the one like sending out like I pack a lot of stuff up and well, they know it now. It's, yeah, it's now you. they know. Yeah, so so stop like, placing these massive orders right now. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, 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 please order as much as you want. Yeah, but like I'll like write the addresses. Like people will be like, "Hey, can you sign this vinyl?" I'm like, "Okay." Sure. And I'm like, "Did they know that I like, I've like made out the the old address and everything?" But uh, yeah, and you walk into the post office and they give you that look from like, <laughs> the counter. And they're oh just like, God. could I possibly take a break right now? Like they want to just go on break and not have to do like the 50 records or stuff. Yeah. Well, Dan, th- with the Dan's record is, um, so I sold more of those pre-orders than I did for Obscure But Visible because I think that, because that was an EP and this is like mm-hmm. an LP. I'm like, all right. So when those come in, like I'm probably going to need like some help going yeah. to the post office. But I love it. I mean, I'm just, to me, like having my music on a vinyl is uh i just think that's awesome like i don't know it's pretty cool to have that so with with all of that you know with the label with the record the current music industry yeah and the current music scene is changing every single second oh yeah definitely you know, with, with what you do what advantages do you do you see to what's going on right now um it's interesting i feel like there's so much that it's hard as an artist to like get noticed mm-hmm. um but there's also benefits to having um like the internet uh to just having people from different countries being able to listen to your stuff i would have never had my success in japan if it wasn't for them like finding my stuff on soundcloud mm-hmm. um but it's just a lot to to dig through but now also, as a musician, like streaming, you don't really make very much money. Uh, but it's kind of like if you can't beat them, join them. So, uh, so of course you have to have your stuff on Spotify and all the streaming services. And you you gave some of your stuff away for free before it would go on sale. Yeah, I mean, I, as a kid, I was like downloading music. Like we all did. Yeah. We all did. <laughs> so I was just like, it's only fair to yeah. put my stuff online. Um, but now I, c- I just kind of like the idea of having vinyl, uh, like something physical. Absolutely. I love physical media. Yeah. Which is funny because I forgot. It was like a couple of years ago. I went into 
like borders or like one of those the bookstores and they have like a whole vinyl section mm-hmm. now so it's definitely and urban outfitters has like cassettes. Yeah, urban outfitters is selling cassettes it's <laughs> so bizarre to me and like walkmans and stuff yeah it's cool though i mean i'm happy that it's coming back yeah but at the same time it's like i don't know like i wonder how long it'll last and if it does like continue i think people are just they need something tangible mm-hmm. now because it's just everything is online and but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and with what you do, you know, there 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 is those there's that visual element to it. You, you know, you clearly put time into designing what the record looks like yeah, and yeah. and picking what color the vinyl will be if it's not yeah. going to be black and I, I think that's the magic that is lost in MP3s is you don't you don't get the whole yeah. impact of it. I mean, I loved uh as a kid uh this the band that I listened to, The Cribs, mm-hmm. like they had the 7-inch that came out on two different colors, like a red one and a blue one. Yeah. And I was like, that's so cool. And of course I want both. Of course you want both. You gotta have both. Yeah. But then, I mean, that's like, like stuff like that when I was a kid, just like collecting vinyls, like that influenced me. Like I'll have like, uh, like seven inch records that are like, I mean, everything is limited edition. Not, not really uh, like semi on purpose, but also because I can't afford to make like right. vinyls a expensive. Whole bunch. Yeah, so it's like really small runs of like two hundred, two fifty, or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if those sell out, maybe I will reprint them, but like on a different color or right. something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just like the idea of having like something that you like you have, and it's like limited to this amount and it'll only ever be that so i don't know an mp3 anybody could have that so it's like a cool thing to me my thanks again to danielle for stopping by please go check out the record i really like it i've been listening to it a ton since i got my hands on it it's called dan's d-a-n-z and you can check her out at dan's underscore cm on twitter and instagram and her website is computermagic.com Before we wrap the episode, I do, of course, have your ear fuel listening assignment. For those of you new to things here, welcome. What we do is every single episode, I give you an album to listen to in full, beginning to end, without any distractions or interruptions. It stems from the idea that life is just full of so many distractions and music has become a bit of a background task. You're driving, you're at the gym, you're on the subway, whatever. And this is really about taking some time each week to consciously listen to music for the sake of music alone. This week, because I've been spinning it a ton and I cannot believe we haven't made this the homework assignment yet, your assignment is Jerry Lee Lewis's unparalleled 1964 live album, Live at the Star Club, Hamburg. One quick history note. By the time this performance occurred, April of 1964, Jerry Lee Lewis was all but blacklisted in the United States for his controversial marriage to his cousin once removed, and nobody stateside was paying any attention to what he was doing when the reality is he was probably the greatest live act around at the time. It is really a tragedy because most people, myself included, and I am at the front of this list, consider this record, Live at the Star Club Hamburg, to be the greatest live rock recording ever. I'll say it again. This is, without a doubt, the greatest live rock recording ever. Ever! And nobody even comes close. I know what you're thinking. Jerry Lee Lewis is one of those golden age rock and rollers. We like great balls of fire. It's kind of cool. Let me fix that for you. 
Jerry Lee Lewis is not a golden age rock and roller. Jerry Lee Lewis is rock and roll. The energy on this album is off the charts. I'm serious here. There are moments, and there's a lot of them, where people like Iggy Pop, you know, the Stooges, maybe even some of the great punk bands, they kind of seem relaxed in comparison to what Jerry Lee is doing on stage. Not kidding here. Because of how the mics are set up, you can almost feel him smashing through the keys. There are few pianists anywhere in history who played as hard as Jerry Lee Lewis did, as he's almost possessed from the moment that the very first notes hit. The excitement on this record is beyond words. It's palpable. You can still taste it half a century later as it's, it's somewhere between feral and primal, and it will undoubtedly change your perception of Jerry Lee Lewis for the better. I mean, listen, I have heard this album hundreds of times, more than I can count, and every single time I listen to it, I still get goosebumps. I can still feel an adrenaline rush. It's that good. It kind of feels like one 40-minute long catharsis or... Maybe it's an exorcism. I don't know. This is something you have to hear to believe. The songs just crash and smash all around. I mean, you cannot help but get caught up in the brilliance on display here. It's also kind of funny because there are moments here where he starts out playing his backing band, as in he's playing ahead of them. He's just kind of taking the crowd out for a spin. And if the band can't keep up, that's their problem. Seriously, there is no warm up here. It is full throttle from go. And pretty much every song here is a definitive take of that song. Whether it's Mean Woman Blues, The Lewis Boogie, Good Golly Miss Molly, Great Balls of Fire, they're all there, including my personal favorite, High School Confidential. This record is a masterclass on performance, and it's a masterclass on what rock and roll is all about. I read somewhere where somebody said that this actually isn't an album. It's a crime scene because Jerry Lee Lewis absolutely slaughters all of his rivals before and after across this set. I mean, if you wondered why they call him the killer, this is all you need. I really can't say enough about this one. Just thinking about it has my pulse up, and honestly, I'm dancing here a bit. It's that impactful a recording, so find 40 minutes and be prepared to break off the volume knob. Seriously, do not operate heavy machinery while you're listening to this. Go listen right now. Thank me later. So that's all for this week. Once again, my thanks to Danielle Johnson for stopping by. You can find me on Twitter at at GetEarFuel and at The Daily Guru, and the podcast is available everywhere under EarFuel and at GetEarFuel.com. That's it for this episode of EarFuel. Share and enjoy. Enjoy.